what, Tuesday uh, on, on Valentine's, and so uh, hopefully um, y'all did something this week together if you're married and uh, uh, if, you're, if you're dating, and um, it's, uh, some of y'all are like, no, we don't do that stuff. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I had a model. Uh, I had a model good marriage for the pulpit, you know, because uh, that's what that's what preachers do when they uh, go to preach on topics like this. I took my wife out this weekend, um, kid free, uh, and uh, she Riley has been with Tiffany's parents since uh, Friday night, and so me and Tiff haven't known what to do uh, because we're never without Riley, and so it was really weird. Uh, we've been dog free this weekend too, because he's boarded and we had a, we, it was a minimum two nights. And so, uh, we got back last night and I didn't have to take a dog out. So even, even better. And, uh, but we went out to Raleigh and I found out, uh, just really quick. I found out I'm not a city person at all. And, uh, Brent and Cindy go to Raleigh about every single week to, uh, go see their precious granddaughter. And I got to Raleigh and texted Brent. I was like, I don't know how y'all do this. My anxiety is through the roof. And so, uh, I'm glad it was only for about 24 hours that we were there. And, uh, it was a wonderful, uh, weekend, uh, just uh, spending time with, with my wife and just, uh, reinforcing, uh, this thing called, I love you and, uh, that I appreciate her. And so I, I really encourage you, uh, men, uh, if you haven't taken your wife out lately, uh, go do that. Uh, I encourage that. Uh, if you want to, uh, that, that's my key to a healthy, uh, lasting marriage is go take your wife out and uh, do that often. Um, but we're going to be in part three of this series, House in Order. And uh, the first week we looked at uh, priorities. And uh, we just said, uh, first order of business, God has to come first. Uh, so we looked at listing those priorities. We talked about uh, what? Putting God first, right? Uh, and then what? Spouse. And then what? Kid, y'all sound so excited this morning. Wake up. Uh, then what? Work. And then play. Okay, good job. Y'all are good. So that was two weeks ago, and you still remember that. Good job. Give yourself a hand. Uh, uh, man, that was terrible. Y'all got to wake up. Uh, last week, <laughs> last week we talked a little bit more, and we, we went to the Old Testament, and we started talking about uh, just uh, four different things, kind of priorities again, but it was a different way in, in what Scripture was teaching. We talked about maturity. We said, hey, if you're not mature, you don't need to get married. Um, and, and then we, we said, uh, we talked about marriage itself, talking about just the, the nitty-gritty of it and what uh, the Old Testament said about it. Then we said monogamy, which meant, uh, pretty much means uh, you're only going to be married to one. Uh, it's, not to, it's not like Samson who, who had a thousand concubines. You're married to one person. You're going to spend your life with that one. And we talked about putting uh, other things to the side and being together as one flesh. Today... What we're going to do is we're going to shift our mindset, our focus over to uh, the New Testament and look at the New Testament and see what Jesus had to say about marriage. But we're also going to look at what the church said about marriage. And so uh, we've heard what God said in the beginning, right? A man shall leave his mother and his father to be united with his spouse to become one flesh. But then... When we look at Jesus in Matthew's gospel, um, we're going to be there for a little bit. The, the gospel of Matthew, um, we're going to we're going to look at verse uh, chapter nineteen here in a, in a few minutes. But uh, we we see in Matthew's gospel uh, that he is surrounded. Jesus uh, is surrounded by these religious church folks, 
And these religious church folks are, are, are going to Jesus, okay? And, and they, they come to him, and they're, they're trying to justify what they're doing. And that's what we typically do in our life, right? Like we do something wrong, and then we try to justify our actions for why we did that. And we do that a lot, trying to justify it. And they're trying, this is what they're trying to justify, though. They're trying to justify their actions of trading their wives in. That's what they, that's what they did back then, just trade them in. And literally, they think they have figured out the right way to do that. Like, hey, this is, what, uh, this is what they said in the Old Testament. And so in the book of Malachi, in the last book of the Old Testament, we read these words, God hates divorce. Like, we read that in Malachi. Malachi wrote it, I didn't write, or, or God wrote that uh, through Malachi. I didn't write that, don't get mad at me. Uh, it's in the Bible. Anyone that has ever been through a divorce knows that that's not fun. Uh, it's terrible stuff. Um, there's, no, there's no fun in that. There's no winner in divorce. It's always painful, um, very painful. And, and no one goes in, does anybody go into their wedding day looking at their significant other that's, that's going to be their spouse and say, I can't wait to divorce you? I've never seen it. Okay? I've never seen that in a, in a wedding ceremony. But God hates it and we uh, should hate it. Some, some of the, the baggage that, that we may be carrying around in our lives right now is coming from the previous marriage. You may be saying, Pastor, I really don't want to hear this message today. Uh, don't close me out yet. Uh, because remember what I said last week. From this day forward, we're going to do what? Honor God. Somebody said it back there. We're going we're gonna to honor Jesus. From this day forward, we're going to do everything in, 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 our, in our possible means of power to honor Jesus. So, yes, it might, it might be sticky today. Uh, yes, we're going to get into some things today that, that's going to be tough. But from this day forward, we're going to do everything that we can in our lives to please and honor God. So these religious folks, they, they come to Jesus and they say, What do you think, Jesus? They bring up Moses. And they say, Moses said we can divorce and remarry as long as, for any cause, as long as we get a certificate of divorce. And so they, go, they throw it back in Moses' face. What, what was happening was these so-called religious leaders, church leaders, these Pharisees were basically signing off on all their buddies. They're, they're looking at their buddy and they're saying, hey, do you want to divorce? Yeah, I want to divorce. Okay, I'll sign off for you if you sign off for me. Hey, hey, don't forget, I, I, need, I need to come see you in about six months because I'm going to divorce mine and I need you to sign off for me. And that's what was going on. It was, it was ridiculous. Okay, and so that's how they got divorced at that time. And Jesus says this about marriage. The original context is about divorce, but in Matthew chapter 19, we're going to look at verses 3 through 6. We're really going to dissect this for a while. Matthew 19, looking at verses 3 through 6. The Bible says this, The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any just reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read? So Jesus is asking the Pharisees, have you not read the Bible? And like that is, a, that is an all-time smack in the face to a Pharisee. All-time smack in the face because that was an insult to them. These guys had practically memorized the Bible. Hey, that's what the religious leaders were good at. 
They knew all the laws. You remember, you remember uh, probably about a year ago, we talked about uh, these Pharisees and these religious leaders, and, and we said that they had so many laws that they had to memorize. Like there was like a thousand laws that they were supposed to memorize. They had them all memorized. But th- this, these were people that had memorized the whole Old Testament. Church, we have problems memorizing five verses of Scripture. Hey, these people knew it all. And so Jesus is like, have you not read the Bible? And, and they're like, yeah, we've read it. And so these, practic- these guys practically had, had consumed themselves with it. And then Jesus looks at them and says, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? What's he going back to? He's going back to the very beginning. He's going back to Genesis. But, but look at it, keep looking. And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother to be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What he's doing is pretty much going back to the Old Testament and verbatim repeating what God had already said back in Genesis. Isn't that cool? Once again, God invented marriage. We did not. God invented male and female We did not. God invented that the man should leave his father and his mother and be united to join with his wife. We did not invent that. It was said in the Old Testament. It was said in the New Testament. And in just a moment, we're going to see a guy named Paul that's going to say the same exact thing again. So all throughout Scripture, you're going to see this common thing. The two shall become one flesh. Two shall become one flesh. Did, did, did we not see all that last week where Jesus, where God said this was very good when he created male and female? Man, that, that looks very good. So what's Jesus doing then? He, he, he's going to look at them and he's going to be like, all of this you have been doing and broken and busted. I'm going to go back to what my father originally said. We're going to go back to the original plan. And Jesus is like, I'm reinstating that. Y'all have gotten off your rocker. You're doing all these things. You're divorcing your, your wife for nothing. You're just tired of her. You're going to trade her in. You, you're treating your wife like a vending machine. Pretty much what Jesus is saying okay, in, in 21st century here. What would, that, would that not be chaotic? You know, think about it. Have a bad day at work, you come home, your wife doesn't want to listen to you, and then she don't, she don't ever want to hear about my bad day because <laughs> she'll throw it right back at me. And uh, so, so I know not to really talk to her if I have a bad day uh, because her day was probably ten times worse with a bunch of youngins running around. And uh, uh, if, y'all, if y'all are a school teacher or been in, in the life of a school teacher, you know what I'm talking about. And so my bad day never amounts to her bad day. <laughs> and so uh, if I did that, and we and just say we got in that argument, and you're like, you know what, you don't want to listen to me, I divorce you, forget you. You know, that, that's how easy it is today, church. Like, we get, we get so bent out of shape over the smallest thing that blows up and your marriage is, is in detrimental repair at that point, over the smallest thing. Um, and so this original plan, Jesus is like, I'm reinstating, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the reset button on this marriage thing. He adds on to verse 6, and he says, So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Listen, if you're, if you're living your marriage as two people in one house with the same name, 
but you've got two different schedules. You've got uh, two different accounts. You've got two of everything. You've got your own bedroom. God would say you're not two anymore. Listen to me. You are one flesh. You are to be together. Remember, remember the creation thing? You know, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. When woman came from man and they're joined together in marriage, it's like they're being put back together side by side. Isn't that cool? When you sleep, you're side by side. Does anybody sleep at the, at the foot of your wife or your husband? No, you're side by side. Some of y'all are like, hey, you do that. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> um, that totally threw me off. Right here we go. <laughs> Man, you never know what you see up here. Um, I needed that laugh this morning, though. Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no. It was coming from this side, all I got to say. <laughs> side, side by side, okay? So, so let's go back to... Listen, man, I've never got this in a message before like this. Oh, man. Uh, let's be reminded that, that when, when, when God created female, he took the rib from the side. It wasn't the back. It wasn't the foot. Okay? It was side by side. And so in marriage and in everything that we do in our life is to be done side by side. If you're five steps in front of your wife or your husband right now, slow up. Let them catch up. Don't get so far ahead that they just forget. What God has joined together, let not one separate. That includes the two that are joined. And so, by the way, they, they, are, they are not two, they are one. And no matter what, let no one separate it. So Jesus is saying, I want to go back to what I originally planned. And he wants you to understand the original plan for marriage was to never be separated. It goes back to the priorities that I shared with you over the last two weeks, starting with God. Making sure you spend the time with your spouse. Putting your kids in line. Making the work uh, a thing that, that you have to do. I told you, you can't pay the bills if you don't work. You can't have the roof over your head if you don't work. So that's, that's got to be a priority. But it shouldn't come before your spouse or your children. It, sh it should never come before spending time with God. And then our playtime. And then maturity. And then marriage. And then monogamy. And then one flesh. You are one flesh. Think about it. Things that are separated never work. Has anybody ever sat in a half a chair? Wouldn't that be weird? I got, I got a picture to show you. Has anybody ever rode in a half a car? There's a story behind this car. A man and his wife got really upset at each other. They went to court, and they decided they were going to divide everything in two. So the husband gets irate, and he goes home and starts sawing things in half. Half a dining room table, half a chair. You want it this way? This is what you're going to get. Half a car. That is a real car that got cut in half. He's like, you don't want to work things out in court? Here you go. Here's your half a car. Now what are you going to do? Don't let your marriage get to that point. Isn't that crazy? You know, no longer a motorcycle, it's a unicycle. That's how unicycles were made. It's called the husband and wife got mad at each other. <laughs> You know, who knew? Who knew? And so we can't, we can't live our life like that. And so 
here's, here's the thing. Like, when, when we start splitting things down the middle, we're saying 50-50, but really marriage is 100-100. Okay, like, you should, never, you should never say, okay, well, I'll, I'll take 50, you take... No, you do it together. And, and, and young people, if you, can, if you can learn this now, you're 100 steps ahead of where I was when I got married eight and a half years ago. Because I used to be under the mindset, hey, it's 50-50, you know? But there's going to be weeks where you feel like it's 90-10. But we should be giving 100% all the time. Whatever our 100% may look like. Some, some of you are probably thinking back to some things right now in your life, and, and you're like, well, what am I supposed to do now? I'm telling you, from here forward, we can handle things. We can, we can, we can deal with it. And I want to remind you of that. There's no, there's no judgment in this. Okay? There is no uh, profiling. All of this series is, is about a year and a half of me and my wife sitting around dinner tables, riding in a car, uh, just having, having time together and realizing that if we want strong families in our church, then it's got to start in the home with our marriages. It has to. That's where this series came from. About a year and a half ago, we started, we started talking about it, we started praying about it, and we said, from this day forward, we've got, to, we've got to honor God in our marriage so the church sees it in us. We wanted it to start with us. We wanted to model it for you. And so the original plan of God can, can clearly be seen. But the issue is, there's something called sin. And sin breaks it all apart. And unfortunately, what sin has done is messed up the whole world. We saw it last week. Hey, the religious people are like, well, why did Moses do this? And then yada, 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 yada. Like, they started naming stuff off. And that's like saying, well, my old church let me do it, so I'm going to do it. My old pastor let me do it, so I'm going to do it. My, my mama told me I could do it, so I'm going to do it. And that's how we start looking at it. And, and, and we come into the church sometimes, and we, we look at the church as this, as this thing we come into, and we're just supposed to give it all uh, to you. But instead, you're supposed to come in with the, with the heart to serve and to help and to, and to, to uh, just come in and be a part. But we look at it as like a consumer mentality, like let's take, take, take. And that's how we go into marriage, like, hey, she's got a fat bank account, I'm going to marry her. Have you ever heard that before? Or, hey, like, hey, look at that shiny new truck he's driving, I want, I want, to, be with, I want to be with him. Well, then you find out he owes $60,000 on that thing. <laughs> look, man, I, I was getting ready to get married, Tiffany was working on her master's degree, um, she was about to be done with her master's degree, and I'm like, man, she's, she's got her life together. Well, three months after we get married, we're talking about bills. You know, that's what you do as married people. If you don't want bills, don't get married. Uh, we, started talking about, we started talking about all that. And about three months in, she says, hey, I need to tell you something. I was like, okay, tell me. Hey, I got student loans that are going to start being due next month. Okay, great. How much is it? $100, $200, $500 a month. What? <laughs> For 10 years. <laughs> 500 a month. And so that was like our first crisis <laughs> happening in marriage. Like, uh, we got married, and no joke, she moves in. We, we start looking at the bills, and she looks at me, and she's like, I don't know how you made it every month. God, uh, uh, 
eat Fruit Loops, um, you know, whatever I've got to do to survive, right? And um, then, then life hits you, okay? And, and you realize, oh, no, we're going to have to work at this thing. And so that's kind of my story of where financial freedom took place, uh, why I teach the class now. Uh, because at that moment in our life, we were sinking in debt. And we're like, there is no end to this. Uh, she she brought that into the marriage. I say she brought that into. She brought that in. Well, guess what? I brought in the credit cards. And 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 both of them were killing us. And so we sat down and we started figuring out the plan. And I'm a numbers guy. Like I, I look at numbers, and and I look at those numbers, and I'm like, all right, how am I going to get better at this? And so I sat down and devised this plan. I said, okay, in six months, the credit cards are going to be paid off. She's like, how? I said, just trust me, we're going to do it. And so uh, we started in pinto beans and rice every, every meal for the next three years of our life. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but that's, that's what it felt like, you know, that we had to do. And, and we just started chipping away at it. Uh, I, I learned in school uh, at Fruitland, I had a professor tell me, what's the only way to eat an elephant? one bite at a time. And so I started taking it one bite at a time and start chipping away at it. And then we started seeing freedom in that. And then as we saw freedom, God just started pouring His Spirit out on us. Yeah, we don't have it perfect. Yeah, we're not doing it the way of, of some other of the financial gurus out there that are doing it. But hey, our way worked. And now, and now we're able to live a very generous life and we're, we're at the point of being able to, to pour into other people. And God put this class on my heart so that I could especially pour it into the young people so that they could get something that I didn't get at that age. And, and, and this is the thing. Uh, in marriage, those things are going to happen. Hey, there's going to be a medical bill come in and it's going to mess up your whole budget. There's going to be things that happen during the month. I don't know about y'all, but we have birthdays every month in my family. And so it's like, hey, it's going to be a good month. Oh, no, Malachi's got a birthday this month. No! <laughs> uh, and then you're spending money there. But if we do things together, it's a lot easier. But a lot of times, even with our bank accounts, it's separate. Like, I work my job. I work my time. This is my money. That's not how marriage works. It's together. Let no one separate it. So, so if you've got out of bounds on this, that's okay. Let's get back in bounds. Okay? And, and, and if you are struggling in your marriage, don't push it under the rug for the next two or three years. Get help today. Find help because God doesn't want you to end this thing in what we would call divorce. That wasn't His design. You say, well, you don't, you don't understand my marriage. He's hurt me. She's hurt me. We don't get along anymore. Look, I, I know a couple that had been married 57 years and this guy divorced. Why? You've lived with them for 57 years. But that's how easy it is today. He hurt me. It's over. Listen, I get it, but, but is your marriage today not worth fighting for? Is your relationship with that person of some 50 years not worth fighting for anymore? Is, is your love not worth rekindling? Is your family, is your children not worth fighting for? Do you really want it to be separate? God's graces and His love and forgiveness is big enough to overcome all of that stuff. It may take time. It may take a season. It's going to take a lot of work. 
It may take some help, but God would rather have victory on the other side of reconciliation than have victory on the side of defeat and separation. So, so then what God said about marriage and what Jesus says about marriage is pretty consistent. But it's not just what God said about marriage. It's not about what just Jesus said about marriage. It's also, what does the church have to say about marriage? I've heard some say this to me before. Genesis 1 doesn't apply because that's the Old Testament. Okay, well, can you go create the earth yourself? Can you go create all this stuff all over again? Because if, 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 if the Old Testament law doesn't matter then you're saying creation doesn't matter? Then you're saying Noah's Ark, where, where he, he saved the earth as we know it, doesn't matter, so go, go build your ark. Let the, the floodwaters come down and see if you can do what God said. Go follow all those measurements to a T and see if you can do it like Noah did and save the world again. Like, no, that stuff matters. But we just say that so we can, we can justify what we're doing. We're going to justify the law and say, okay, well, that was Old Testament law. It doesn't matter anymore. Let's look at this. Let's look at this verse. And usually when we go to a verse, we take it totally out of context. We don't read the stuff around it or the stuff behind it or in front of it, and we just say, okay, that applies to, to this part of my life right now. We do that. I've seen it over and over and over again. It's what God originally intended. It's what Jesus went back to. But it's also what the, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at, at Ephesus. He did the same thing. He references it in 1 Corinthians. And then he's going to reference it in Ephesians. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to turn with me there, you're welcome to. Ephesians chapter 6. And he's writing about this husband-wife relationship, this parent-child relationship. And, and even, uh, we could look at it as a boss-employee relationship in Ephesians 5 and 6. I'm sorry, we're going to be in Ephesians 5. I, I encourage you to, to turn there with me, Ephesians 5, 21 uh, through 24. I'll just start it with this, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Listen, don't, don't submit to your spouse because you demand it or they demand it. You submit to one another because Jesus reigns in your house. He reigns in your life. That is why you do it. Why, why do I serve my wife? Because Jesus is Lord of my house. That is why I serve my wife. There are days that I don't want to submit to her. Let's just be honest. There are days where she definitely doesn't want to submit to me. There are days where we don't want to listen to our kids. There are days where we say, Riley, go upstairs. We don't have time right now. <laughs> there are days where Thomas goes upstairs, and I don't, want to have, I don't want to have that time right now. Okay, But this is why we do it, because Christ reigns in our house. Not because I reign, not because she reigns, not because the kid reigns, not because I win or she wins. That makes sense. You know, it's, it's Paul... Is, is giving us what married people should live like. And he's starting to put some feet to how we should walk the relationship out. And he does so with Ephesians 5.21. 
submitting to one another. Another version says out the reverence of Christ. Now, let, let's keep going. Men, don't start jabbing your wife here because your time's about to come. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife and also Christ is head of the church. Okay? And we read this verse. This is the verse that men are notorious to look at their wife and say, submit to me. Read Ephesians 5. Submit. And we don't read the rest of Ephesians 5. Uh, but men, we, we, we like to stop here and we just look at them and say, see there? I told you. Can I, can I remind you this morning once again? She came from your side. She did not come from your foot. She doesn't bow down at your feet. She didn't come from your back, so she shouldn't be behind you. To have headship is about responsibility, guys, not domination. To be the head means you're going to be spiritually responsible for your home. You're going to care and you're going to nurture. You're going to lead and direct uh, spiritually. Men, you are to be the spiritually responsible one in your house. You are to set the tone for your family. I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture for that. You're the spiritual responsible one for your children to make sure they're getting grown up in the Lord. They need to see that in you. Guys, like ladies, I'll get to you in a minute. But seriously. Like, we are to model that. We are to model that for our home. The Bible says it. And if we're not doing that, then it's time to man up. I'll tell you, one of the, one of the greatest joys to men's ministry for me is seeing those little kids walk in with their dads on Saturday mornings. Look, if we're not teaching them that, then where else are they going to get it? And so, yeah, at our men's meeting, we may have five or six kids running around. It don't bother me because they're they're at church, one, and two, they're with their dad, and they're seeing dad come to church on, on, on a Saturday morning or whatever day we meet on to study the Bible, and most of the time, they sit right there beside dad, and they're looking right on with him. I love that because we have to model that. They're not going to get that at school. Any of your kids bring their Bible to school every day and have Bible class at school? I don't think so. Not unless they're into Christian school. Any of your kids come home and talk about all these godly relationships that they're building at school? Probably not. It's not something that we're looking for. We just go to school to get schooled, right? We have to model that for them. So, so how do we do that? We go to church. We do it at home. Uh, we, we've started spending time with Riley for about, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes every night. She'll watch what's called the Jesus Story on Right Now Media. Um, if you don't have Right Now Media, just come see me. Right Now Media is a, uh, a library of about 10,000 Bible studies that we have access to. Uh, the, church, the church funds that for you, and we just want that to be a resource to your family. And so if you don't have access, just send me a message this week and say, hey, can I get access to that? But we, we, watch, we watch that. 
We talk about it with Riley. We may ask her some questions, see if she was paying attention. And then we ask her for prayer requests, and she always says, Mommy and Daddy and, uh, and Chewy, who's not there anymore, and, um, and, and Jasper. And, and she, does, she doesn't know. Like she, just, she just names stuff off, and she'll always say Taylor and Benny and Cindy and Brent. And there's people that have really poured into her, like, listen, She's five years old, and if you don't think you're making a difference over there in that fellowship hall with those children, she can name all of her teachers. She knows who you are, and she prays for you every night. And it may be something as simple as thank you for Cindy and Brent, but she, she says that. And in, in her heart, God knows. And so, so we try to grow her up in the way that, 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 that she could go so when she's not old, she will not depart from, as Proverbs 22, 6 tells us. And we just spend that time with her, diving in with her, and seeing it from her eyes. But guys, that, that we, we have to start with that. And how else do we do it other than modeling it for our children? And so if we're not leading our home, if we're not leading our wives, leading our kids, then it's time to tighten that belt up a notch or two and get on track. If your words aren't words Jesus would be speaking... Don't speak it. If, you're, if your actions that you're doing during the week and on the weekend isn't reflecting Christ, then I would encourage you not to do it. Because what you're doing is showing your kid that it's okay. You're showing your family that it's okay. That's the analogy. Okay, But here's this analogy. Christ and the church. Christ is our model. Christ being the husband church being the bride and he's just saying as Christ is the head is he dominant over us or did he come to serve us hey husbands you want to be like Jesus show your wife show it to her start serving her start caring for her start leading her as Jesus would lead her that leaves us with tenderness that leads us with care and anything Jesus leads us in is for our benefit right like that that's a that's a rightful benefit so it started with submission to one another and how do we submit to one another keep looking it says wives submit to your own husbands that's to the lord for the husband is head of the wife also christ is head of the church and listen to this and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is sub subject to christ so let the wives be their, to their own husbands in everything. Now, wives, let me speak to you for a moment. This is where it gets fun. Because <laughs> it's not about me no more. <laughs> don't make this conditional. Don't, don't make this conditional. Don't, don't say, I'll respect him when he becomes respectable. You're, you're not doing it because of him. You're doing it because of Christ. And I know that's hard, and you're like, Pastor, I don't know about that. You're doing it because of Jesus, because He reigns in your house. You want to do it because Christ is your Lord. You want to do it because Christ reigns in you. There's something about respecting when they're not respectful and submitting when they're not submittable because there is something supernatural that God has to do in that moment. And through that, we mutually respect one another. We submit to one another because Christ reigns in our home. And then Paul goes on to say, Hey, husbands, 
love your wives. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for her. Like, hey, Jesus just didn't die for you. He died for her too. Hey, it's not all about you. It's about her too. And so all of this is getting put together. And if we stop at wives, some of you be like, yeah, I love her. But do you love her as Christ loved her? Or do you love her when you just want to love her? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Give up the selfish desires and the need to win and have it your own way because I know that's what we do because I'm a guy. Look, there used to be a day eight and a half years ago my mouth wouldn't zip until I felt like I won. And then I realized I didn't win nothing because I got a wife that won't talk to me now. But I won in that moment. <laughs> and then there's moments where she's the same way. Look, this, this, is my, this is my beautiful wife I have. When we get in an argument, she just shuts down. She don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, I'm thankful for a marriage that, that, that very seldom is there a disagreement in our home because we know Christ is first. Our marriage ain't perfect. Trust me, it, it is not perfect. Uh, there, there are times where it gets hard. There are times where we want to do something else. <laughs> And, and, and we're like, man, I got, I got a wife at home. I got a kid at home. Uh, I've got a busy week this week. I'll tell you about that at the end of the service. Um, but there's going to be a lot of absence of me this week where she has to take the kid pretty much all day. And, and, and there's, there's times where you're like, hey, I'm going out Saturday morning. You'll be all right with the kid, right? Like she's had her, she's had her Monday through Friday, and we think that's okay. And so this week, I'm going to have to uh, be super dad <laughs> and also be super husband. And then on the weekend, still take time. But it gets difficult. Okay, if you've been married for any longer than about 72 hours, you understand this. Uh, uh, even in the honeymoon, the honeymoon's over during the honeymoon a lot of times because you just realize, oh man, we're married now. Now what? And you're going to come home from your honeymoon and, and you're like, now i got to live with this person. Dude, man, like you hadn't done your laundry in two weeks. What's wrong with you? Like, what's up with all the, the dishes in the sink? Hey, you hadn't changed your socks in a few days. You want to change your socks? <laughs> uh, those things are going to happen. Or you're going you're gonna to take your shoes off at the wrong door. <laughs> I've done that before. Um, <laughs> there's, there's things that just happen. Or, or you leave your controller somewhere. It, it, or, or, or she, you find out the, the insurmountable amount of shoes that she brings in the house. Like, where did all this come from? She brought trash bags of shoes in when we got married. No joke. Um, thought we were going to have to do a, a U-Haul for shoes. Um, now, now the rule in the house is if you buy a pair of shoes, you have to get rid of a pair of shoes and donate that pair of shoes. <laughs> and so uh, that has stopped us from buying some shoes. Um, but... <laughs> Listen, we, we, we conditionalize everything, do we not? We say, I'll do this if you do this. There's something about respecting when they're not respectable, something about submitting when they're not submittable. And if we stop at the wives, 
You know, and we, we just look at, and also the, the, the church, and he gave himself for her that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself, a glorious church. We have to look at it as like, you want a better wife? Die to yourself more. It goes past putting the food on the table or putting the bacon on the table, as I've heard some say. Uh, uh, listen, I, I don't know what it's like in your home, but in my home, we both work. Uh, and, and if you know anything about my wife, uh, she works a lot of hours. She, she works, uh, give, give her a snapshot of the week, okay? She, she works all day. She leaves the house about 7 o'clock, well, no, 6.30 in the morning. She gets home 3.30, 4 o'clock every day. She works two other jobs at a community college. She teaches community college classes uh, online. And so she's all the time grading papers, all the time. Guess what? She cooks. 98.9% of the time, uh, uh, the 1.1% Thomas just felt good and cooked. Uh, you don't, you don't want me. Uh, you don't want me to cook five days a week. Uh, I'm just serious. I'll, I'll, if she's got great directions, I'm good at following directions. But this morning, this will give me a snapshot of my cooking skills. I left the crock pot base at the house and thought we were going to heat the crock pot up for for our financial class later. Uh, she texted me this morning. I was like, "Hey, you left the base at home." I was like, "Oh no." Uh, luckily, I have a good wife. She picked it up. Everything is good. There's going to be tacos after church for the finance class. So uh, we're all good. But she teaches. She does this. And uh, she has her dreams and ambitions. She she runs a side business from the home. She uh, does vinyling of T-shirts and, and all the time doing something. Guess what? She's a full-time mom, too. She takes care of the kid when, when, when daddy's away. And she... She, she, she helps out, and she does laundry, and she does dishes. Look, we talk about the hours we work. You don't want your wife to start counting up how many she's worked. I'm serious. Not to mention, if I need something done for the church, I'm like, hey, Tiff, can you do this? Like any graphics that you see that come on the screen on Sunday, she did that. So she puts her time in the church. Hey, guess what? She don't get Sunday off. She's teaching our kids today. So then she prepares for the kids, and she does, she does all of that. So we, we say, well, I put food on the table. And really, no. <laughs> Honestly, if you look at our finances, she's the reason food's on the table. <laughs> she's the reason things are done. She's the reason we were able to do Riley this weekend and not, and not freak out over finances. What if we die to our own selfish desires and our schedules and we spend time with her and spend time with him and present her and him back to us in Christ's splendor? What if we did that? But watch this. Look at what Paul does at the end of the passage. And I know these messages are long. Just hang with me. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And look at this. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. How cool is that? For the third time in two weeks, we've seen the same verse pop up in three different books of the Bible. Paul goes on to add, this is a great mystery. He's talking about the mystery of now it relates to Christ and the church. But check out verse 33. Nevertheless, 
Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It all goes back to verse 21. Mutually submitting to one another out of the reverence of Christ. How are we supposed to do that? How do we mutually submit to one another? It's right here in the passage. We do it through husbands loving their wives as Christ loves the church and wives respecting our husbands and being a helper. Do you know what I've found over the last year or so working through uh, this series and just getting some thoughts together? This is what I do. I keep Anybody use notes on your phone? I use notes on my phone all the time. So if I get a sermon idea and I'm driving down the road, I'm like, hey, Siri, can you do this for me? And bam, she puts it in there. It's the coolest thing ever. My wife taught it to me a couple of years ago. It has been a game changer in my life. Uh, I no longer have to miss meetings because it's like, hey, Siri, I need this added in my calendar. Cool. I got it added to you. Great. But, but, but that's what I do. So when I get a sermon thought or, or something down the road, I'm like, hey, add this to my notes. And, and my notes are all jumbled up, but it makes sense to me. So if anybody ever got my phone, they would think it's coded for something, but it's really not. It's just all of my scatterbrain thoughts. But I know exactly what order they're in. So it's cool. And, and so we, we do that. And, and, and I remember working on this and like, okay, it all goes back to Ephesians 5. And, and in a roundabout way, the wife saying, I'll gladly submit to someone who would die of himself for me. And then the husband saying, I'll gladly submit to her if she would give me some respect. But what happens is we say, well, you go first. I'll submit if you respect me more. If you pulled your weight around here and you would do this and this and this, we make it all conditional on the other going first and the other always doing for us. But that is not what God said at all. He said, submit to one another because Jesus is Lord, not because she is Lord or he is Lord. So what if? What if we started looking at it like this? I love my wife because Jesus is my Lord. Even when it seems she is unlovable, I'll still love her because Jesus loved me first. Man, would that not be a game changer in your home? If you started looking at it that way, yeah, I'm going to be mad at her, but I can only be mad at her for five minutes because I realize Jesus Christ loved her first. Jesus Christ gave me my wife. He gave me my wife when I was done. Like, no joke. Did I tell y'all, like, two weeks before I met Tiffany, I told my parents I was done with women? Dad looks at me and is like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and then she comes in my life out of nowhere. Nowhere. And I remember sitting down at the table. We went to Cheesecake Factory, our first date. I did it up, y'all. That second day, we went to McDonald's and uh, spent all my money at a cheesecake bag. Um, we were going to reminisce there this weekend. Man, their prices are going crazy. Um, but no, we, we went to the Cheesecake Factory, took her to Build-A-Bear Workshop, you know, really did it up. And, 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 you know, we tried to buy that love on date one, you know, and I'm looking across the table at her. And I'm looking her in the eye, and I'm like, this is way too good to be true. God, what have you done? And, and I just remember having a, a peace in me. Like, people, people ask us when, 
we get together with other couples and stuff. Like, how did y'all know you were meant to be like day one? No joke. Because she was everything that I told God I wanted. And when I got frustrated and defeated, God said, here you go. You want it, you got it. Now what are you going to do with her? Are you going to love her as I loved you? That's powerful stuff. Love your wife as Christ loved her. He gave himself for her. He gave himself for you. He died on the cross for you. And so our model and our relationship should model that. Now look, some of us today, we don't have that right. I want to go back to whatever happens. We're going to live in a way that honors the gospel from this day forward. Paul said this in Philippians 1, 27, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So whatever happens, live in a way that honors the gospel every day. That's all you can do uh, for control. What if we stop fighting about money and we stop fighting in the kitchen and we start fighting in the prayer rooms on our hands and knees together? What if we started fighting in submission for our relationships? We started fighting with our spouse instead of against our spouse? We start fighting the devil and start fighting our temptations and we say no to sin and we say yes to Jesus. What if we did that together? This is the plan of God for your marriage. Hey, if you're single, get it right right now. I want to encourage you with this. Prepare yourself for this stuff. You don't want the most charming guy to come along and pull you away from everything that God has intended for your life. You don't want that. Or the most beautiful woman that will pull you away from the desire that God has for your life. Don't let that person take you away from the church. Don't let that person tell you that God isn't important. Giving's not important. Don't let, don't let your head be filled with that stuff. You find the one that God wants you with. This is so valuable to you because you can get it right from day one when I messed up terribly in about five other relationships. And if I could have got that stuff then, my life would be so much better now. You can set the parameter before you say the words I do. And so no matter how you got here, I want to ask you, what does it look like for us to get back to a place where we can say, you know what, I want to honor God in my relationship and with my spouse and in my singleness with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, what does that look like if we're single? Having to talk with a boyfriend or that girlfriend and saying, you know what, I love Jesus more, so this can wait. I want to get into God's design for my marriage and God's design for my relationship, so this is going to have to be put on hold. Seriously, I, I want this, this series to be uh, life-giving not life-taking. I want it to be encouraging, not discouraging. It is not my aim to discourage you today. I want it to be hopeful, not crushing on you. But the reality is God's design for marriage is a gift to us, and if we are all honest, we struggle to live into the design that God has for us. Our issue, we can say, are money or bad decisions. We don't respect each other or treat each other right. But quite honestly, our issue is we need to come back to God in submission to who God said we were. His design. So if you are single today and you can say, I want 
that picture one day. I want that picture in my life one day. I'm telling you, preserve it. Protect yourself so that you can get there one day. And if you're married, you can change that right here today. You can change that right now. And you can pray with your spouse this morning that that this is what our marriage is going to be looking like. God said that it would be very good. Let marriage be held in high honor with all people. The number one need in our churches today and in our lives today is healthy homes and healthy marriages. I 100% believe that. Because without healthy homes and without healthy marriages, we will not have a healthy church. It won't happen. And I know these messages have have been long, and uh, it's been long for me too, but I firmly believe that it is needed. Listen, your kids, your kids need your marriage to be They need it to be healthy. And let's do it for the generation ahead as well and let them see that marriage is going to be held in high honor in our family. It breaks my heart when I hear of a a great, great, great grandkid go to college and he's the first one in in his family to get a degree and he's like, I didn't do it for the degree, I did it to show my family that we can break the cycle. That breaks my heart that, that a kid even feels like he has to do that. Uh, I, I met a guy this week that, that had got saved at a church, and um, he, he had lost both of his parents, both of his grandparents as a small child, had never been to church before, got saved, and he's like, now I can break the cycle for the rest of my generation of families that are going to come out from my family because we, we're going to model Christ in our home. Praise God for that's good stuff. So, so if we're here today and we don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, then I would say all this marriage stuff looks good. But I'm even going to say, if you're not walking with Jesus yet, then none of this is going to matter. You've got to walk with Jesus first. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ today as Lord and Savior of your life, today is the day for you to get that, get that right and make that decision. Because none of this is going to make sense without Jesus first. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, just the continuous um, theme that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament and even what Paul said to the church at Ephesus about marriage. Lord, it's so consistent across the base of it that let let no one separate it, that we would be together as one flesh, God, that, that, we would, that we would put marriage and held in high honor. God, that man would leave his mother and his father to be joined with his spouse. God, all of that is so consistent across Scripture today. And Lord, we say we want godly homes and we want godly marriages and godly families, but God, many of us, if we're quite honest with ourselves, we're not doing it right. Lord, thank you this week for preparing my heart and showing me some things that I could work on. Lord, that, that, that one day I pray that I'll be able to model it for my church family. Lord, I pray for our fathers today that, God, you would raise them up to be the godly leader in their home that, that their kids need, that their spouse needs. For our wives today, God, that, that even when it's so hard, 
to respect the God, the man sometimes, Lord. We do it because we love you. Lord, it's not about what I want or what my wife wants. Lord, it's about what you want. And Lord, I pray that in my home you will reign. And God, I pray that over this congregation today that they would say the same for their home. That no matter what happens, that you will reign, that you will come first. And God, we give you glory for what you're going to do. God, if there's one person here this morning that is struggling in their relationship with you, maybe this morning they realize they do not have a relationship with you. That they would give their life over to you today and that they would start living for you. That they would uh, start um, just simply being the hands and feet of you and that they would model that in their homes and in their relationships and in their marriage. So Lord, save them if they need to be saved today. Have your way, have your will in this invitational time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Worship team, y'all can come on forward. We're going to sing a quick song, Christ Alone. You come if you need to come today. Maybe today you come and you, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I encourage you today. I encourage you today to give your life over to Him. Because in Christ alone we put our trust. In Christ alone we're going to put our home first. So y'all stand with us.